Before we get into today's podcast with photographer Trevor Trainer, I wanted to tell you about a new file transfer tool I've been using lately called PicDrop. PicDrop was designed by photographers with professional photographers' needs in mind. With PicDrop, you can easily upload, archive, and share files with clients, and even create private galleries where clients can make selections, leave feedback, and download their files. Prior to PicDrop, I was using outdated platforms like Dropbox and WeTransfer, but with PicDrop, they really understand what photographers need, and I can easily access my files via mobile phone or laptop and can archive my work in one safe location. PicDrop really helped me streamline my business, and with today's podcast, when you sign up for PicDrop, you will receive three months free of the PicDrop file transfer tool when you enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER, one word, at pickdrop.com. So let me know what you think, and remember to enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER when you sign up at pickdrop.com. And without further ado, we'll get into today's podcast. Welcome to the PHOTOBANTER podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak to photographer Trevor Trainer. Trevor has worked with clients such as Billboard, Vibe Magazine, Adobe, NASA, and Amazon, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Trevor about growing up in New York, how he first discovered photography through his passion for music. Trevor's work was published in the Contact High Book, which documented the history of hip hop through the lenses of legendary photographers and has been exhibited in the Traveling Gallery show. I also speak to Trevor about his approach to motion work, as well as his love of travel. Trevor brings a wealth of knowledge and experience in the photography game, so I was excited to get a chance to speak with him about his journey with photography. So I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. All right, Trevor Trainer, welcome to the podcast, man. Long time coming. Excited to have you. Uh, you got a fresh promo piece that hit the streets. I got it right here. Uh, right on, right on. Disposed right here. Um, excited yes, to talk to you about it, man. Um, yeah, what was this kind of project all about? And like, how did you kind of put this uh, little promo piece together, I guess? Yeah, man. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me, dude. Big fan of the photo banter. Um, man, I've listened to <laughs> dozens of them. Thank you. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're killing the game. And uh, it's, it's something special to get an inside look to to kind of behind the curtain with all these uh, rad photographers and what they're doing. Definitely. Sweet. Is well, that what you, is that Dan Dan Winters behind you right there? Yeah, I got yeah Dan hooked it up with this print. Nice. Last time I interviewed him, he gave me a launch shot, and then I bought one. He was doing like this sale around Christmas. I bought the Obama one right there. Like okay, my, red. My homie Artosari right there, and nice. other friends. So you know, got got some got some prints up there, but. Anyways, man, this is about this is about you, Trevor. Uh, I know, I know. Just pointing out. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I got a stack over here of disposed. Um, yeah, man, I'm pretty proud of this. This is I've done a couple of self-published projects, and uh, yeah, this is one I'm probably the most proud of. It's it's nice and big. It's a 12 by 15 tabloid size. Yeah. Um, it's printed on newsprint, like 52 or 53 GSM just feels good dude smells good and uh <laughs> yeah and it's 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 something special you know it's it was a uh, a showcase of uh my my neighborhood and like 90 percent of the photos are in a three block radius around my neighborhood okay and it was 
the beginning of quarantine, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, I'm going to be prolific. This is going to be my grand opus, right? Yeah, yeah there's a lot of people <laughs> like that. I was the exact sure. opposite. I didn't do shit. I played video games. So I was like eating pizza. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did that. I did that as well. And, and so as I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about what to shoot. I noticed as I'm walking my dog, Rocco, I'm starting to just take photos of my phone. And in the beginning, there was lots of gloves and there's just these discarded gloves and masks throughout the neighborhood. I'm just kind of documenting them. And then a couple of weeks go by and I'm like, this is, this is turning into a project. It just started happening. That's how, that's how it goes, right? Mm-hmm. You're not, you're, you're not looking for it and it just drops on you. So um, yeah, it's a collection of uh, discarded and um, kind of arranged in, in, in vehicles on, on dashboards and whatnot um, during the beginning of, of COVID um, of uh, masks and gloves and it's all shot on the iPhone. And uh, I use the, uh, I use the second lens cause it's the iPhone 11, 11 pro max. Yeah, yeah. So it's got the, got the wide ultra wide, normal telephoto I use the telephoto. I treated them all with like the dramatic warm cropped them eight by 10 to give it continuity. And I wanted to put something together to share um, cause it, it's a historical timestamp. I think in 10 years from now, um, it's going to be something to look back on. And, um, it's actually the first time I collaborated with the designer, uh, Greg Fisk, um, on Instagram. He's at nice Greg, uh, phenomenal designer. Um, he's, he's killing the game. He's a young cat. And, uh, I, yeah, man, I'm grateful for it. He did this, he did this cover and it's all 96 images. It's a splice from every image. Wow. Um, yeah, and then it, just the way it's laid out, it was he. It was a nice collaboration, and it, it complemented the project. You know, as as a photographer, I've done all my own layouts for the most part. I've done an annual book every year, and I'm like, okay, I can I can use my Helvetic canoe. I can do a minimal, uh, you know, some <laughs> negative space layout, and you're like, I could do this. And working with the designer really took it to the next level, man. And it's 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 printed at Newspaper Club, which. Um, is a really great spot um you got you know you got all the spots like mag cloud blurb uh paper chase press um you got artifact uprising all these cool places to print and i found this spot and it's in london and from order to ship arrive dhl seven days wow how many did you how many how many did you print so we did an uh, addition of 100 okay um yeah and and uh yeah, mailing them out. It's a challenging time right now to mail them out because not everyone has a address they want marketing stuff. Yeah, that's to. what I was going to ask you about. I've been asking everybody because, yeah. as you know, man, being a, a photographer, a lot of this, at least coming up, like the game was like meeting people, shaking hands, getting in their faces and like trying to market your work. Now it's like this new new world where like no one's in offices and it's kind of like this weird thing. Like unless you know the person, have a relationship, this like DM and right. say, hey, uh, what's your home address? Can I send you my new promo? <laughs> Right, right. So, how have you been kind of approaching, like, who who are you sending it to, and like, how you kind of been distributing it? I guess. Yeah, so it's up for sale on my website. Um, I can plug it real quick: trevortrainer.com/shop, and mm-hmm. um, it's pretty much selling at cost, man. I, I just really wanted to get it out there. Um, typically, I like to donate a portion of proceeds for everything I, I print up and sell. Um, for this one, it's like. Uh, it's selling for like $4 more. Like it's like negative $4 for, 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 for zine, but it's all good. I, I want to get it out there, you know? And, and I sent some to printed matter in New York, Dashwood books in New York and Ooh, Owl, Dashwood. Owl, 
yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they scoop it. There's Owl here in Highland Park. So I'm hoping to get it in those brick and mortars, um, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and then so, so there's been some sales and then I've mailed some out to uh, for some marketing. But yeah, that the challenge is the marketing part because um, again, like it's, you know, certain people, if you know them, you're like, yeah, I'll give you my home address. You're not yeah, going yeah, to yeah, definitely, definitely. spy on me. <laughs> no, it's interesting. But I think you touched on a good point, man, like how you you decided to partner with the graphic designer and like, yeah, you could do it yourself, but you know, partnering with someone else kind of can help, you know, collaborate with someone. They have new ideas and their expertise and the stuff. Cause I know myself that something I've been trying to get better at, because, you know, there's so many jobs as a photographer, especially when you're starting out, you got to be scrappy. You got to be able to do everything. But I would imagine, especially some of the work you do when you're doing advertising, it, it's not just you, it's a collaboration. So like kind of having that partnership and reaching out to designer, I would imagine it probably up the level of like the finished product, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's, it definitely, I, I stepped outside my comfort zone and was like, okay, I need to collaborate with someone who can bring this to the next level and do stuff and see things in a different way. I mean, the subtlety layouts, the font, the specific main font um, is, is, is an, an artist created that and, and um, it's, it emulates kind of the movement of the way the gloves and masks are found. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was very thoughtful with, with the font that went into it, with the layout and uh, the color play and um, the geotagging and the index page is just beautifully spread out. It's my, one of my favorite spreads. It's yeah. just so organized. <laughs> um, so he, yeah, it was, but it's, you know, his, his way, he, he took it with some of the font and some of the, the, the layering and stuff that I wouldn't normally do. You know, I, I, I tend to do my layouts real traditional yep. and just, here's the two up, here's a four up, here's a single with a little space, but he, you know, seeing in a different way there's such little micro movements that happen with the designer that you're like, yeah, and man. So, yeah. It's because yeah. like your expertise is photography, their expertise is design. Right. And then you bring that together, man, this takes it to the next level. So that's awesome, yeah. man. And yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you. And is that like something you normally do? Cause I know the, the other book you sent me, it's a uh, uh, walks with Rocco. I, I'm guessing that's your dog. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Is that kind of something <laughs> typically you do a lot, just kind of, kind of wandering around this kind of snapping in your neighborhood or is it, was that something you're doing prior to COVID or? Yeah. So I I've done um, an annual book every year where I release it the following year. So this year um, I'll be coming out with volume nine, right. which is a collection of photos from last year. Um, I actually got the, I just got the first draft. Um, All right. Yeah. Volume hot, nine. Off the press, so, hot off the press. Hot off the press. Yeah. So this isn't out yet, but it's basically just like a collection of images from last year. Um, and it's, it's stuff that, last year was unique but typically it's stuff that i capture um in between jobs while traveling um if i piggyback an adventure pre or post uh job if i'm walking to get a coffee um just kind of these like in transit moments and stuff that doesn't really have a home so i'm like let me i put together this little book and try and donate a percentage of proceeds every year and so yeah this year volume nine is coming out i'll probably stop this year I'm shooting volume 10 that will come out next year. And that might be a wrap. I might stop with the 10 books um, and uh, maybe do some kind of cool, cool show or something. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's typically what I've done with, with the self-published stuff. This last year was um, special because I created the two zines, the Dispose zine, which again is my favorite. And then the Walks with Rocco was kind of just this separate little project where I wanted to make a zine and I wanted to explore how to get it printed um, where it feels like a zine. If you open it, I mean, the pages feel Xeroxy and like, yeah, you know, but the cover's kind of polished a bit. And so I, I ended up doing that on 
I want to say blurb because I found one of the templates that was, it's, it's meant for a um, typical uh, written um, uh, book, a book of text. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's like three bucks maybe per zine or less than three or something like that. So I wanted something to be as, as affordable as possible. Um, but, I loved it. I loved it, man, because it just kind of gets back yeah. to this like fun photography, this kind of snapping away and having a good time because like, as you know, like when you make this your career, you in the back of your mind, you got to think about like your portfolio, what photos you're going to create that's going to hopefully lead to assignments or commercial work. And I don't know, sometimes it can get uh, you can get lost of what like where you started. And like I, this is the kind of stuff I remember, like this starting out photography, this wandering around my t- my town or my neighborhood and this snapping photos, man. So I think that for me, I love looking at this stuff because it just reminds me of my early days of photography of just having fun and not thinking about like some client or how I'm going to market my work, you know? Right. Yeah. hundred percent. It took it back to the basics, you know, and I think I took it back to the basics last year for a lot of people, some people, you know, who continued to work through and some people had some lulls and um, I know the over overused term of the silver lining, but it was definitely kind of a reset and a way to kind of see uh, stuff with fresh eyes and on top of every, everything else that was very, you know, intense happening around us. And so, yeah. Yeah. The, and the disposed zine is, is, you know, beyond the, like the, um, yeah, there's, there, it's, it's, it's interesting. The, the whole gloves and masks, I, I, I ended up calling it dispose cause it's a play on words of, of, um, dispose and dispose. And so it's like, it's these masks and, and gloves like airing out on people's dashboards like they're placing there for the sun to hit them or they're like there and then and now they're like it's this little ornament it's this it's this new quote-unquote essential and just seeing them disregarded is just like that's our new straw our new styrofoam cup so there's like there's the there's just like this there's this political divide which is which is interesting is touching on and then there's this this environmental um aspect of it and then you know, one thing I, which I didn't even address in the statement, just being, just being a white male. I mean, I have the privilege to even walk around my neighborhood and take pictures fine on the ground. Fine. But if I'm taking pictures in somebody's car, yeah, that, you know, they're, Oh, that guy probably lost his keys. Yeah. You know, if my, if my, my skin was, a, if, I was if I was, you know, a young black man, they'd be like, are, are everything, you know, yeah, What's, what are you doing? And so yeah. that, that was definitely something I realized doing as well as like, this is, privilege to do that so it's just a lot of a lot of layers to that um to that zine that that kind of touch on everything that happened last year and, and you know it was it was a challenging year for everybody and, and, a, and a lot of hardship and loss so no no doubt man it was great work and i guess to go back man i was just kind of curious like where'd you grow up and like how'd you kind of initially uh pick up the camera i guess yeah so um it's, it's interesting i actually just bought let me see if I got it. I know this is it's mainly audio, but I'll, I'll yeah, it's not good. I'll speak. I'll, I'll speak to what I grab. I just scooped this up. It's an Imperial Lark. Wow. Um. Yeah. I'm pretty. Yeah. So I guess there's a couple different ones. They have different fronts. Like this one has stars on it. It's the 127, um, four by four. And so I found the exact one. Um. I found an old picture of my dad. I'm going way back, right? Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> he's like, he's like, we we don't have time for this. This this long. No, this is great, podcast. man. <laughs> <laughs> so I found this old photograph of my dad, and um, he he got this in 1964. Uh, wow. He was living in How- Howard Beach, New York, and he got this for Easter, apparently. Wow. Um, 
And so, you know, this is just a photo of oh, yeah, him yeah. rocking it. He's sporting it. That's um, awesome. And so, yeah, it's, it's an Imperial Lark 127 flash camera. There's modifications you can do with the film. And I'm trying to look into bulbs, but I saw this photo and I was like, I, I want to have that camera in my arsenal. You know, there's, I think there's a large percentage of photographers. We all have like uh, an archive of, or, or storage of, of cameras, some more than others. Some are really into it and they got tons of cameras. Yep. Um, but this just felt, you know, important. And apparently he, he took photos of it at the, the World's Fair in New York. Okay. So, I called him and I said, Hey, if you could find those old, that old film, I'd love to see the photos of the world fair. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, um, was, your, was your dad like always like interested in photography himself growing up? Or is that this kind of like a, kind of one thing and kind of. Yeah. I was like, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you're like, cool. Yeah. So that was just a little tidbit I wanted to, to share. Cause something I found out, um, my dad is in my eyes, kind of like a, a renaissance man i mean in reality he's a renaissance man and growing up he had i mean at one point he had a nikon fm he had a canon f1 nice. um and my mom worked for united and we were fortunate enough to do some traveling when i was younger and so where it all started for me was um after a trip we you know after dinner or something, go in the living room, we take out this Polaroid projector and it, it was a slide rail. It wasn't like click, carousel. Click, click. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that sound. I, I, I was like, I got to hit the button and I just remember seeing those photos and it was so fascinating to me um, looking up at the wall and just remembering all these little instances and moments and certain things I could see in a photo. It was like, I could still smell that or I could like, you know, whether, you know, and I can just like, visually remember some of like the textures and moments and i he had they had one of those little portable we had one of those little portable um slide viewers like the little yep. mini one it's basically just a um a light table and yeah i had one so yeah so i would just keep stack them in the, in the um in the trays and i would just go through there and just look at them and i found a couple busted ones and i remember just like pulling the film out i'm like this is just like just this little sheet of film he'd shoot slide so for me that was where I started with slide film and um yeah that I, I ended up doing a, a a night or no I ended up doing a course in high school um and in college I went to the University of Boulder Colorado mm -hmm. um University of Colorado in Boulder excuse me and I I you know I went in and it was uh, business I, I'll do business you know yeah. and it was like you know the college experience I'm trying to figure out what to do and the tuition was out of control for out of state. So I was like, let me take a year off. Let me get in-state residency. It's something dramatic. It was like, I want to say it was like, it's a 30,000 if you're out of state and like 3,000 if you're in state. Some, it's ridiculous. So yeah, I do the night, I do a night course, like a basic photo night course. And yeah, I think it was just getting a response of, Hey, you're, you're doing some interesting stuff. I was, I was experimenting in the dark room. I was like, safely sprinkling fixer on photos before they were developed <laughs> you know i'm cutting stuff up i'm dodging and burning i'm in the, i'm in the groove um probably should have wore a mask then um yeah. but you know yeah just just experimenting and um and then when i went back to school full-time the following year um i just jumped right into photography and fine art and um did some 
mural classes and some alternative process classes and some photo bookmaking classes. Wow, man. Real artsy. I love it, dude. That sounds great. So was it kind of yeah. more like a, a fine art driven kind of program at, at uh, Boulder? Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. That was, um, it. you know, where I think at the same time photographers were going to SVA, it was maybe that, but also there was the, the fashion and commercial in mind. Um, Colorado was definitely more fine art, uh, at least when I was there. Um, but yeah, it was exciting. And they was, there were walls you could rent in the hallway of the fine art building to show your work. And so I ended up putting some stuff up and then um, I just enjoyed the, the way of, of, of putting work out there. And it was like this, this friendly, healthy competition uh, amongst my peers. And so I was, I was trying to be as prolific as possible and put up work because I just had this really strong um, uh, conviction with photography. And so, yeah, it was, it was an exciting time. And, and that kind of launched me into just like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like I've heard you say on several podcasts, it's like, this is it, man. So yeah, we, we've, this, this journey, Buck, you know, buckle this, in, buckle in, let's get to work. <laughs> let's get to work, man. So yeah. And then that it's it just, you know, I can keep going, but, but I don't want to get, you know, no, but, man, yeah, we're, we're here. We're here to hear the story, man. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because like what kind of stuff what, what kind of stuff were you photographing even like when you're in school and stuff? Cause like looking at your work now, it's a lot of really nice portraits and some other great stuff. But like what kind of what kind of, what kind of stuff were you photographing? And was there kind of any early kind of influences on your work or anything like that? Oh, for sure. The early influencers um were Philip Lorca de Corsia. Legend. Um, for sure. There was I think there was a photograph. Two photographs I can think of. I think one was called Igor, and it's a man sitting on a train with a goldfish in a bag. Okay. I'll I don't know that. if that's the title of it. Yeah. Unless that's Bruce Davidson. That might be Bruce Davidson. Uh, uh, but there's another Philip Lorca de Corsia photo where it's 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 somebody with a fridge open and they're looking into a refrigerator and it's lit um, from the refrigerator. I, I just remember flipping through that book and it felt like movie plates it felt so cinematic and i was like these are like this is a movie frozen like this is a, a paused frame from a movie like it just had that cinematic so i i gravitated towards that uh, in school and you know i sally man marilyn mark um gregory crudson you know yep. just seeing vast amazing um setup so yeah all the all the all the classics and um i was shooting cross-process stuff and experimenting with macro insects and overlaying portraits and wow um, that's really cool yeah it was fun i was doing music at the time um i was uh me and my my um my buddy uh we formed a hip-hop duo called dragons of eden aka ed and those you All right. i won't go too in the weeds with that but so we were we were doing that and we were making music kind of dusty backpack rap music um and so yeah that that after i left um colorado i went back to new york and so my brother was was making beats in the hip-hop arena I, I got two brothers my younger brother had a a music label um indie label called a uh, mondrian sound um and my older brother was a producer aesthetic wise you could compare it to like just some dusty RZA beats, you know, mm -hmm. some real New York dusty beats. And he was producing for, you know, Drez from Black Sheep. Um, he was wow. working with Aesop Rock, wow. Dugius, uh, Mike and I from Freestyle Fellowship. Um, yeah, just, get, just 
heavy hitters. Yeah, so yeah, so at the same time, I was I was using a Hasselblad, I think, at the time. Maybe this is two thousand four, I want to say, and I was learning how to integrate people into uh, a landscape. Mm-hmm. So that was my my introduction to that was was the portraits ended up being um uh hip hop you know hip hop photo uh photographs um rappers um portraits of rappers and so my brother would in the beginning he would they would exchange a 16 bar verse so like ag from ditc would come over drop a 16 bar verse in the studio and i would shoot portraits of him and his crew and party arty rest in peace party arty and you know digging in the crates crew for their promo photos yeah. so we, we we started a hustle to do that and that's kind of how i started shooting um in, in the rap scene and my first editorial shoot was saigon and jim jones for rye magazine wow yeah so Hasselblad, um no lights just light meter and a 501 cm and maybe like two rolls of film i could definitely we, yeah yeah no, because like when you got to New York, right? You said you're like making music yourself. You had that duo, and now you're kind of shooting photos. Like at that point, were you like was was photography like kind of your main thing, or was it the music, or like when did kind of photography kind of take over and make that your career? I guess that's a great question. Um, yeah, so about 2006, we put out an album, and after that, I realized okay, I have a choice here to be to be putting one of these skills as the you know in the forefront so yeah i chose photography and, and kind of just yeah that was it it was it was a it was a i don't know it was about five years where i was doing um making music and it was fantastic but photography was definitely my first passion um, but it was a beautiful segue because it, it made sense to me because i understood what it was like to do a 8, 16, 24, 32 bar verse um, to, to different styles uh, to rap on tracks, studio stuff, live stuff, backstage etiquette, just, I kind of understood all that. And it felt like I was able to um, navigate better when I would figure out a way to get backstage. Yeah. <laughs> to get portraits yeah, down the line. Yeah. Cause you're a part of the community. You, you have a respect for their art craft, the music and everything. And I'm sure yeah. that goes a long way when you're kind of collaborating with like big big hip-hop artists like i know you, i was excited to talk to you you got a you got a chance to photograph uh rock kim uh one of the best rappers of all time man like right on, yeah. what, what was that for what was, what was that kind of experience like getting to work with someone like him yeah so rock kim that was um i ended up moving to san francisco after new york and so i kind of started shooting for uh, some magazines in New York, Elemental Magazine, Rhyme Magazine. So I kind of uh, started to build up some photographs. And in San Francisco, it was a different scene. And I did kind of like this um, guerrilla style approach to getting portraits. So I I was so passionate about it. Um, there was a festival, um, a hip hop festival in San Francisco. It was a big parking lot behind Giant Stadium. It was all different levels of fences. And I I think at the time probably had the 5D Mark One, and I kind of went around back and um, ended up dropping my bag over and hopped over the fence and then kind of, you know, chit-chatted with the security guy, this and that, and then just kind of was good at just figured out a way to get back there 
And then I remember meeting somebody and before he could say like, where's your badge? I was just, you know, I just kind of was like, this is the deal. Like just to show you how serious I am. Yeah, I hopped the fence, but I got this camera and I'm going to create epic portraits. Oh man. And he, I don't know, it, it, he, he was like, he just, I guess he just appreciated the hustle and I was sincere about it. And he could just maybe see a twinkle of, of genuine authenticity in my eye and was like, wow. all right. So I ended up doing some like backstage portraits and then that kind of became my thing. I would, I would go to, there was a different venues like the independent and the mezzanine um, club six and, uh, the Fillmore and different festivals. So I'd reach out to like, okay, player and, and say, you know, I want to shoot the rock the bells festival for you. Um, and so I, that particular photo of rock him was a collection of portraits that I uh, did in San Francisco at rock the bells where I put up a seamless and I think for those, I just used a ring light with a beauty dish, um, just very direct, um, boom. And that was it. And I, I ended up getting uh, Red and Meth, um, The Far Side, uh, Tribe Called Quest, a, a, list of, a list of awesome artists. And so I think uh, Alan Kett reached out ab about a hip hop graffiti book. Um, and so that photo ended up being published in that. I think it was volume two of... Um, I want to say hip hop graffiti. I don't remember if that's the name of it, but no, yeah. So that got, that got to find a home. That's awesome, man. What about yeah. like, what about hip hop music? What is it that kind of, what, what do you enjoy about it? What kind of um, made you kind of like interested in hip hop music and photographing hip hop artists? Do you think that kind of culture? Yeah. I guess just growing up, um, on the East coast and my brother having technique turntables and sneaking down to the basement and messing up his records and needles, trying to figure <laughs> out how to scratch. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just happening. It was that golden era of hip hop when I was in high school. So I wasn't photographing yet, but you know, it was DOS effects and KRS one Buster rhymes, all the cassettes were dropping. And you what were some of your what were some of your favorites when you look back like those kind of early tapes cassettes you got like what, what are some of the artists that kind of stick out in your mind your kind of all-time faves i guess i had a my first car was a 1983 honda accord hatchback i had a tinted i had a little bazooka tube and <laughs> yeah. self-amplified bazooka tube and, and i had this awesome little cassette holder in the back seat and i remember i can i remember a few of them it was buster rhymes disaster strikes Karis one I got next channel live um it was uh Smith and Western I mean just Everybody. all in that lane yeah and um I remember that car got busted into we I pulled up to club SOs feeling good man bumping the tunes you know <laughs> I had my Tommy Hill figure like bubble goose jacket on put it in the trunk i mean just come on dude just a, a full-on mark out there like all right yeah we're gonna drop for this fool yeah. and so I, we went into the club i came out and the jacket was gone the bazooka tube was gone but they left the tapes i was like all i right. was like yeah, yeah they love the tapes so but yeah that was um those are some of the some of the cassettes that uh, i fondly remember that era yeah it's wild thinking back man like when i come up yeah going to like record stores and buying tapes and then then cds and and you i have like a thick book in my car and it still blows my mind now when i think about like having uh the uh 
like Spotify and shit, man. You literally have every song right. ever. And like kids nowadays don't even understand it, man. Like back then, like getting a new CD was like a big deal because it was like, wasn't, oh, yeah. wasn't wasn't cheap as a kid, man. So it's crazy to see where mu- music has gone, you know? Yeah. What was your what was the first cassette you remember getting, or if if, if that was pre uh, pre your era, what was your first CD? CDs. I was big into like uh, I had like Nirvana. I remember listening to remember yeah. Nirvana MTV like Nirvana Unplugged that live one that, that was incredible. Then I was I was big into Silverchair, uh, Green Day, like Blink One Eight Two, just all that like skateboard skate rat stuff, and then probably like some like Metallica and uh, yeah I don't know yeah it was just a mix of that stuff. Those are the ones that kind of stick out in my mind. Yeah yeah right on. Man. Yeah, my first concert I ever went to was Fugazi at the Palladium. So wow. it wasn't all hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a good first concert to go to, man. If only I had a camera. I was too young. I might have been maybe 13. Yeah, I was a youngin'. Well, yeah, my brother. Yeah, you ended up getting to be part of the Contact High book, which is one uh, for me, like that's a good, such an incredible book. Uh, it's just kind of like a retrospective of like hip hop culture and all the amazing photographs and photographers that have kind of contributed to the history of that medium um how'd that kind of come about for you i know that i think they featured like a contact sheet of a portrait of cool keith i think right yeah 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 vicky um and contact high she started i believe a blog with mass appeal called contact high Mm -hmm. and i remember she did a show at photoville new york um in the containers and i was part of that show and yeah, there was a there was a book in the works. So I I actually pursued her when I once I knew that, and I was like, I, like I was digging in the archives. I was like, what do you need? Like, how can I be a part of this? You know. So again, back to just just hustle and getting after it. And, and so I had a few shoots I had done with Cool Keith. Um, I had one I did for Rhyme Magazine, which were in the the classic New Yorker hotel, and or excuse me, it was Elemental Magazine. Um, and it, he, he was in the bathtub holding a, a blow dryer, uh, <laughs> eating food in, in the bed. It, it, it was so very cool, Keith, you know, it, like bizarre Halloween lighting, like bottom lit and just we were, we were experimenting. But the five, five years later, uh, five years earlier, I had met him randomly on Canal Street. He was buying jewelry and I had my Hasselblad on me. And, and um, I think having that Hasselblad people would look at you and go okay serious that's a legit yeah serious and then so they'd give you they'd give you the time of day and we ended up taking a quick couple of snaps uh right outside on uh, jewelry shop at canal street and then we popped down the subway and took a couple peace out and, um yeah that was the one that landed in, in in the book and i'm grateful for it man i'm in good company i think like Stavon's uh the page before and Clay gordon Rides dude great gordon parks yeah. man gordon parks was in uh, yeah. that show it, insane dude like i don't know i'm sure yeah. did you end up going to the the actual uh live show like the gallery exhibit at all yeah i know there was one at icp and then there was one here in la at the um was the annenberg maybe or annenberg annenberg uh yep exactly uh that was a fantastic show um yeah it was it was it was beautifully done um yeah, man, special, special stuff, amazing stuff in there. Yeah, I there's loved a big it. elf. Yeah, I love that big elf photo um, on the staircase. And there's slight, slight movement to it. Just so many classics. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, I was honored to be a part of that book. 
Yeah, it was awesome. And like, who were like some of the first clients like you started working with? Like you mentioned like Rhyme Magazine, but like when you kind of got to New York, like, you know, a lot of people kind of go that route of like assisting other photographers before they kind of jump into shooting or what, what was kind of um, your foray in, into the kind of commercial photo world, I guess? Yeah, so I actually never got to assist anybody. I, I would have, um, mm -hmm. gratefully. I, I only reached out to a couple people, but I think at the time, um, my email was probably not so great. Uh, you know, just a young kid being like, yeah, what is, you know, it's, I didn't. So I think I reached out to like Jeff Browse and Jonathan Mannion, yep. two totally different photographers, but yeah. just to show you like this, you know, that was the range. And um, yeah, I actually, and then ended up being in a couple books with, with uh, Jonathan Mannion. So that was cool. But yeah, I mean, I, I loved, I loved his work. Um, and so what was I saying there? Yeah, yeah I guess so I was just saying like when you yeah. kind of started, you got to New York and you're trying to like start working with clients. Like I know you mentioned Rhyme Magazine, but like who are right. kind of some of the first clients or magazines that you kind of started working with and like how are you kind of getting your foot in the door? Yeah, so so Elemental Magazine was in Brooklyn and I had done a couple shoots for Rhyme Magazine and I ended up doing my first cover and Rhyme Magazine was based in Los Angeles. Actually, Esteban real shot most of Rhyme Magazine and it was a dual cover. Uh, my second cover for Ryan was Redman. And I remember he shot the other cover and I was like, hey, what's up? Uh, I shot the East Coast cover. He's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> he shot, I, I used to like, I shot 12 already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're homies now. And 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 um, actually my, my, my partner um, had assisted him back in the day. So it's fun. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, honestly, we'll one circle, of my yeah. favorite photographers of all time, man. Can't sing that dude's praises enough. Yeah, he's hilarious too, as a, as a human being, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, I was excited about that. And then I did some stuff for Elemental Magazine and I would take the train to Williamsburg. And this was this was Williamsburg before it was Williamsburg. Well, not not way back Williamsburg, but before it was how it is now. Yeah. And I take the train there and I get to their office. And I think the first shoot they had me do was Afura. And so I got my Hasselblad. I got my 50 bucks. I got a I got a one roll of 100 120 I got 12 frames right so I'm shooting yeah. shooting you know two and a, two and a quarter two and a quarter whatever it is two and a half two and a half anyway. two and a quarter yeah two and a quarter thanks yeah a little rusty um, right. <laughs> so I'm shooting that and I end up just shooting one roll I drop it off at the lab they pick it up and they call me and they say hey these are great but next time please shoot more than one roll yeah you know they're like you could lose it it, it could just not be good and I was like oh totally so the next shoot I did like two rolls. Cause I'm, I'm thinking I got 50 bucks. I got the train. I got the film. I got this. And now I'm going to like, I'm going to have lunch and I'm like, cool. I made, I made 15 bucks. Yeah. So if I could tell my younger self anything, it would be like, take more time. Take more time is huge. Take That's more time. I, I used to feel like that. shoot more. Yeah. I used to feel like that too. Like when I first started shooting portraits, like, I don't know. It was like, I felt like rushed. Like I didn't want to take someone's, I was like being too polite in a sense. Like I didn't want to take the subject's time too much. So I would kind of rush shoots. And now it's like, I, I, at the end of the day, you want to get a good picture. And that's, I always just try to remind myself, but I don't know. I No, I, I tell myself that after every shoot still. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Taking, taking time and, and, shooting more although there has been from the film days to digital i feel like i still try and shoot i shoot more obviously than that but i don't get crazy where i'm on full burst mode no. um, unless it unless it requires it for whatever if there has to be a certain image capture but yeah keeping that quality over quantity um but yeah take 
just slow it down and, and take your time and shoot a little bit more. Yeah, but, man. Yeah. So did that and then ended up moving to San Francisco. I mean, I didn't go, I was bartending for a little bit um, and I save money and travel and take, take photographs and, and do editorial work. And I want to say that's ah, been, I don't remember what you, what you, what year we're talking here, maybe 2007 or something is when I was like, I'm, I'm going full photo, no more bartending. And um, yeah. So I just kind of made that jump. It was exciting. It was scary. And yeah. Cause like, who are we working with? What brought you to SF and like, who are you kind of working with out there? Cause you know, a lot of people, a lot of people feel like they need to go to like LA or New York when they're pursuing photography, but what kind of brought you to SF and what, what kind of some of the clients you're working with once you kind of got there, I guess. Yeah. The, the, while I was in San Francisco at, at a, I had a gallery representation um, at one point. So I was doing some of the fine art route of the series they were interested in and showcasing was uh, Chromacore and it's a series shot on film with uh, slide film, 120 and 35 combination of stuff on different subways from all over the world. Wow. And so they're just like long exposures. Um, and yeah, that, that was Scope New York, Scope LA, the Affordable Arts Fair. Uh, I was kind of hitting a festival circuit with that gallery. So that was exciting, um, getting, selling some, some art and um, kind of getting into that whole world. Yeah, it's a world um, I don't know a lot about. I've never delved into the fine art world, trying to go to galleries and stuff. Like, what's that process like? Is it really just kind of pounding the pavement and trying to talk to gallery owners and show your work? Or like, what was kind of your experience with that kind of world, I guess? I remember going to Chelsea and, and looking at all the shows. I remember looking at Pieter Hugo's show in uh, a gallery of the Hyena and Other Men um, and just being like, this is amazing. I, I want to do this. Like, and picking up the 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 show flyer at collections of those all over my wall and um yeah new york was interesting then and maybe it's still the same but you kind of walk into the gallery and you know, maybe the person at the front desk will look up and you're like mm, and look down and you're kind of like mm. you know you know it's all quiet and you're like am i supposed to be here yeah, like, what's going on <laughs> and so that kind of highbrow vibe and and yeah i think obviously back then i mean we're i'm still honing in my skill i mean my stuff back then i look at it, i'm like wow i can't believe i thought i was a photographer then i mean i yeah, still think man. that now i know that you know? i know that feeling <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and so but with, with the combination of that and not really knowing how to approach and just going in and trying to figure stuff out and submit stuff i remember i would make copies of slides and i would yeah. submit a sheet of slides and different stuff but um it's an interesting time. I mean, especially now, not to bounce on all over the place, but with NFTs, I mean, they're kind of disrupting that world a bit. And we don't need to go on NFTs because I know you touched on that. But <laughs> I got <laughs> but some bad. Some people hate the NFTs. You bring it up, man. I, I did like an NFT uh, episode, and like people talk about it. Either it's a, people love it or people hate it. It's it's a touchy subject. You did it with Jesse Dittmar. Uh, yeah, Jesse Dittmar, and yeah, really yeah. great photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Um, yeah, I, we won't, we don't have to go into it, but, but there is something interesting and he touched on it about the blockchain, blockchain technology and like a string of numbers associated with it and kind of definitely being, being, a, it, but it's, it's, it's such a new, it has a lot of interesting applications as, as a store of value. Um, yep. and, and so, yeah, 
we'll, we'll see how that goes and if that disrupts the gallery world or there's a smooth transition um or... yeah man i look at any out any new outlet for artists to make money fucking have at it man go get it it's it's good yeah yeah I, I and i think yeah people will have to be smart about how they mint and put out their work it can't just be a money grab because people it's trans people will know right away i mean you have yeah, to have man. a thoughtful story and be passionate about it so we'll, we'll see what happens um but yeah that that's what else? So Gallery San Francisco um, shooting. I, I kind of have always done a little bit of everything. And I know that's something back from back in the day, the teachers say, like, find your lane, find your what you shoot. And I, we all have our styles, right? I think that's one thing. But but, you know, I think there was an there an era maybe with it could have been during the film or digital transition, but where people were like they had their lane. You know, I'm like, I shoot food, I shoot this fashion, I shoot this, I shoot that. And so when I kind of um, coming of age, like out of the, the, the film was transitioning to digital and a lot of friends just kind of stopped and were like film or nothing. Um, and so I was wanted to embrace that and try and be on the, you know, the, the cutting edge side of things from the transition to film and digital still shoot both, but dive into it with digital and even this digital to mobile or like <clears throat> micro cameras, you know, amazing cameras with image stabilization, the lenses and the bodies and amazing dynamic range of those alpha Sony's or bananas. And like, yeah. you know, DJI's got partnered with Hasselblad <laughs> and they got banana drones that are like super detailed. And so I'm fascinated by all that. And, and then now with just when the art world with NFT stuff, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in it and it's like, but I, I think it's people can easily um, drop off. Yeah. Um, and that's okay if that's if, whether they're dropping off or they're just like, hey, I want to just continue just to do this, and that's fine. But I've always just appreciated the the, the transitions and tried to um, adapt, not just to stay relevant, but but it just intrigues me how how it grows and progresses. Yeah, definitely, man. I think at the end of the day, like yeah, like you're saying, like some people, I, I don't think you really have to have a niche. Like at the end of the day, if the work's good, the work's good. Like there's great photographers that are inc incredible portrait portrait photographers, and they can also shoot incredible still life. Not everyone can do that. Like it, it's a mix mosh sometimes, but the people that can, can do it, it works. And it's like it, like I said, this at the end of the day, if you have good work, it's good work. You know, I don't. I'm, what What are you shooting? Are you shooting mainly digital for work, some film for fun, or what's what's your mix? Nah, pretty much all digital. Um, I mean, I still have my Hasselblad. I haven't shot it in like years like four years because i think i just for me the way my brain works it's just easier for me to have like one kit this to kind of shoot with rather than like I'm, i know some people are really great at like jumping around different formats and stuff but for me i just like having the, my one camera my set of lenses and my lighting and that's kind of what i stick to this to kind of just kind of simplifies it for myself you know yeah yeah but i don't cool. know it's tough what are you when are we when are we doing when are we when is alex getting getting the the lens turned on him <laughs> no, i don't know man that? i don't know man it might be happening it might be happening we'll see uh um, yeah you who are you getting to do it you get yeah uh, like, yeah that's the way uh, it's, it's, it's in the work oh. it's, it's in the work oh. we'll, we'll see what happens man we'll see what happens uh, uh but anyway actually one thing i was excited to talk to you about you you do a lot of amazing portraits um you recently did i think it was recently you shot it uh you photographed Stuart copeland um you did an incredible right. series of portraits. I was kind of curious. Let me pull it up here. People can uh, check it out if they're watching the YouTube. But 
Yeah, what was this for? Stuart Copeland, for anybody listening, was the is the drummer or previously was a drummer of the police, correct? Right. Yep. Yeah. And then and it's, there's a collection of images there, uh, Sheila E. Um, and, and Joe Satriani, which is arguably one of the best shredders on the planet in the universe. Um, I've been working with this art duo, Scene 4, for the last 10 years. Um, they're good buddies of mine now, Corey and Ravi. Yep. And they've um, they've created this really cool collaboration with about 50 classic um, musicians, you know, drummers and, and guitarists from Slayer to Def Leppard to, you know, uh, The Police. Um, we just did uh, Chad Sexton from 311. Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers. So yeah, it's 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 a fun process. It's it's an aesthetic that is unified across the whole, all the different collections. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, we'll be in a studio and they'll create sound to a visual. So they'll play some of their classic tracks, and we will shoot um, a series of long exposures with movement, and they'll use. For instance, the, the drummers will use these glowing drumsticks. Um, the Joe Satriani playing guitar will use this homemade, like kind of like Game Boy looking glove that has all these wires on it. And when you touch it, fingertips illuminate in different colors. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a spin on a classic, um, you know, long exposure with some color movement. Um, but we're putting, we're putting sound to, um, to visual. Yeah, they're yeah. incredible, man. I, and was most of it, is this all done in camera or is it like some of it like done in post like composites or is it pretty much all this kind of done in camera pretty much? Yeah, so the the this whole the, um, the Rhythm on Canvas series, for instance, that one of Sheila E, most of this is in camera, like the ghosting with her there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see her face in the background. Um, yeah, I saw that right there. Yeah, Joe's guitar is all in camera. The the one in the front of Stuart Copeland, that's, I believe, a composite for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was a portrait with overlay of colors. And there, there was some color involved in the creation of it. And then they desaturated him a bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's been a really cool collaboration. I, I shoot with them often, not as much last year, but we do probably work with a different rocker, maybe quarterly. It's been, it's been a really great long-term client. Um, and just have a blast doing it, you know? Yeah, man, these are incredible because I've, I've seen like so much lately in the last few years, a lot of people kind of playing with these like colored gels and drag shutter. But whatever you did, man, was this like far and beyond like anything I've seen before, man. It was just it almost like when I looked at this at first, I thought like I thought maybe you printed this photo and then you were like painting like actual physically paint on these. It was just something I'd never seen before, man. So uh, hats off to you thanks brother i'm glad you like it yeah it got a good response and, and they're they're selling um unique canvases over at scene four and shouts to ravi who did a lot of the uh, post and compositing uh, he's a magician so can't yeah. take full credit <laughs> and like how do you generally like uh, as someone who shoots portraits like how do you generally like do you have a process of like preparing for a portrait shoot and like what is that kind of process for photographing people i guess Like, do you do a lot of research yeah. or do you kind of have like some people will do like mood boards or for sure um, stuff i was just like gonna that. say yeah yeah 100 percent research and mood boards but i was just thinking covid world i'm like man it's, it's changed a bit but <laughs> yeah, but yeah no, no, no. 
Yeah, but yeah, generally uh, for sure research, um, if it's a musician and if they have something special coming out, um, getting a link of their upcoming project and marinating with that, um, playing that over and over again. Um, mood board for sure. And it, it just depends. I guess it depends on how big um, I, I will do. In my career, I've done a lot of smaller cruise shoots where whether it's available light or natural light or a single light, mm-hmm. um, occasionally it'll be a bigger, bigger setup. So it just depends. I mean, I, we, I just did a shoot for Arizona State University um, Thrive magazine. And that's not out yet. And shouts to Jeff Newton, who's a great photographer who recommended uh, Amanda and I, because he's out in New York now. And that, that's a great thing too about the community and just like word of mouth, you know, recommendations, fantastic. And um, so we, we did a shoot and that was fun. I, I can't get say too much about it because it's not that's out yet, right. but it was the first, yeah, it was the first, it was the first uh, shoot uh, Amanda and I did as a we we co-shot so it wasn't we're, we're not trying to do a a, a Juco or day 19 or Sean and John thing yeah it was the first thing where we're getting credited together interesting um, yeah it was fun it was a fun challenge we work a lot together um we assist each other a lot for different projects so yeah That's she's awesome. an amazing photographer she's done stuff for Netflix Wired Time Bust all um, right yeah. I'll, to, I'll have to talk to she, 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 yeah, yeah I'll talk to her next, man. No, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And the one thing I, I was excited to talk to you about, I saw on your website, you did something, I think in 2016, you traveled with NASA um, on part of, I believe it was called Operation Ice Bridge over Antarctica. What was that all about? Yeah, so Operation Ice Bridge was a pretty special opportunity. I traveled alongside Zaria Foreman, who's an amazing artist. And Zaria was the lead artist and i believe the first artist ever to travel um with nasa it's like a 727 or 757 giant jet it's got dual turbine engines on either side so there's four of them it's fully fitted gutted it's gutted and fully fitted with like science instruments it's it's a full suite um so it's this just giant earth science vessel that we put in maybe twenty six thousand miles over a week and a half wow over antarctica where they're surveying the ice so we're in this sky in the for 12 hours a day we flew over the south pole um it, it was it was fantastic it had, it had its challenges and it had, it had a pretty sketchy experience uh because with some turbulence because they can't when they're when they're um surveying the ice they can't break course and, and i don't quote me on this because i might not have the right jargon but i think in, when planes land in airports they have like towers that they ping off of in order to stay um, on target yeah yep. exactly so they use that technology to stay straight once when, when um surveying this ice and so when turbulence hits usually a plane will adjust to to go above or below or move navigates to get away from it you couldn't do that in this case I mean, you can you'd have to break it and then start over you have to break your flight pattern and then start over to, to for your survey. But so yeah, turbulent had hit on our first flight and I'm sitting here, I'm sitting next to Zaria and they have these old school first class chairs that they've connected in this plane. They're spaced out and we got the headset on. 
with the, with the mouthpiece and you know the, it's got the old school like fighter jet oxygen masks that'll be there just in case they're just dangling everything's dangling there's wires everywhere it's fantastic yeah. and we it starts getting choppy i'm like all right you've flown a bunch it's no biggie no biggie and i just i'm just noshing on like cashews and almonds oh, and I'm, just stu- <laughs> I'm stuffing them in my mouth and i'm i'm just starting like i'm like I'm such a dry mouth and i'm just putting them in there I just didn't even realize i was doing it. she's looking at me she's like it's pretty wild and i'm like yeah and i'm nervously just eating these nuts and uh hopefully she doesn't mind me sharing this but she looked at me at one point i was getting crazy and she's like well if we're gonna go this is a pretty cool way to go and i was oh like, my no, god no. <laughs> no. <laughs> i was like that's not what i want to hear and then it, it settled and your adrenaline spikes so much i forget what it's called maybe it's called epoch it's something where you kind of get like tunnel vision yeah just kind of fall asleep i remember the pilots at this point had the had their oxygen um uh masks on and i remember waking up and walking to the front and looking around and everyone was sleeping just that like spike in adrenaline. But the pilots, when you get in there, they're wearing their masks. I walk in, they're like, hey, what's up? And I go sit back down. I was like, whoa. And that was the introduction of that. And we had, a, we, we, we logged another like six, six days, 10 to 12 hour days. So I was, I was photographing aerial uh, shots for her. And she's an amazing artist who does um, drawing and pastel on paper. So I was there shooting that um, for her to, to use for reference. That's incredible. Cool. Yeah, that was incredible, man. And even just like anybody following along your Instagram, uh, it seems like travel and just the outdoors is a big part of your life and work. And like, what is it about travel and kind of, I guess, the outdoors that kind of inspires you, you think? Yeah, so I just like adventure. I like seeing new things. Um, I mastered how to piggyback things from things. <laughs> you know, a job to a fun journey to maybe a little sponsored uh, project. And right before COVID hit, I was gearing up to go do a job for Lindblad and Nat Geo to document a ship they had up in Northern Norway called the Endurance Yep. Um, through Lindblad expeditions. So I had a whole agenda. I was excited. I was going to go to Stockholm and I was going to document the underground for my long-going train series and then i was going to hop over there and document this art installation in norway on this ship zarya ended up curating a show called change and it's the first ever permanent art installation on a on a ship and i was fortunate enough to be one of the 50 artists um, in the show so it's really cool it's from photos i took of greenland um and it was really exciting. And I pitched the idea. I said, hey, I'd love to document this installation. Yeah. So was gearing up to go do that, take photos, video, and I was going to be out there. And then from there, we piggyback another job in Madrid. And then I was working with Amanda was doing something and we we're going to go to Sevilla. We just like, connected the puzzle. It was working. It was all working. <laughs> and I love doing that because you can just get all these little adventures and things. And yeah. And then I got a call from all three clients, an actual phone call from all three clients within 48 hours. Like, hey, this isn't happening. Ah, so, yeah, that's, yeah, 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 bummer, man. But you know, hopefully. yeah, <laughs> CDC today just said that if you've been vaccinated, travel is safe now. You can travel, and the, the CDC said travel is good. So, hopefully, who knows, man, maybe that job will come back and get back on the road, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, road trips. I took a pretty amazing road trip last year safely navigating, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see. As far as any international travel, I have nothing slated on the books yet. I was supposed to shoot the Olympics, and it did get postponed to this year but i believe 
guests cannot attend. Um, yeah. It's only, yeah. So that's not happening either. I was trying to pitch something like a climbing magazine. Damn, um, I like it, man. You're a, you're a hustler, Trev, man. Just talking to you. So you, you just kind of make stuff so, happen. Like even just like, so we do. I mean, that's a real skill in itself, to be honest. Like, like you're talking about just going up to cool Keith on the, on the side of the road or whatever in this on the street and this asking him to take his portrait, man. It seems like you, you're not afraid to just kind of just reach out, ask the question and kind of make stuff happen. You think that's kind of part of your success is this kind of making stuff happen yourself pretty much not waiting for it to come to you. Yeah, it definitely comes in waves. I, uh, you know, I'll have, I'll have a lulls as artist, but I, that, that is kind of my approach to it. I like to, I think I thrive under pressure a bit as much as I wish I didn't. I like to do pre-production and be organized, but I also like a little bit of that <laughs> pressure. <laughs> um, and yeah, that that's, I guess that's been an, been an approach for a lot, mainly a lot of my hip hop stuff from back in the day. And still, still, there's the, the, the hustle. What about yeah. you? You, you? You like working under pressure? You like to plan it, plan it out? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I have a general plan, but as you know, like sometimes you never know, especially with portraiture, you never know what you're walking into a lot of the times, especially when it's environmental portraiture, you can have a plan, you can scout it, but who knows that the day you show up, it can be a complete 180. So it's just kind of rolling with that punches, but I love it, man. That's what keeps it exciting. You know, you never know what's kind of, yep. but so far, uh, so good, man. Every time I show up, I get the job done and uh, still, still out here doing it, but you never know. Um, yeah, same, same. It's, it's. Yeah, it's it's amazing how you, no matter how much you can prep, it can it can help you to navigate and be smart. But there's a, you got to have that flexibility and be able to be cool, calm, and charismatic with the client so they feel safe. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a, <laughs> you know? yeah, you know, it's, that's that's the, that's the real skill. This, you know, calm and cool, even when shit's hitting the fan, <laughs> uh, just sweating profusely. Oh, we're all good here. Yeah, we're man. Here. <laughs> yeah, this is normal. This is normal. We did this last week. Uh, yeah. Just and eating nuts the whole time. Like, oh, we're good, man. I'm just like, what are you doing? Anyway, and <laughs> another thing interesting about you, I know you started your own kind of like media company called Memoryscape. I was just kind of curious, like, um, what was kind of go the goal with that, and what, what kind of stuff do you kind of work on within Memoryscape? I guess. Yeah. So Memoryscape, I started it a few years ago, and it's a um, me and my partner. It's just a small uh, production boutique. We focus on the site's kind of just a quick, simple splash page. It showcases a lot of tech stuff yeah. from clients that we've worked with. Um, but yeah, there was there was a bit of tech events pre-COVID where we bring in teams of, of videographers and photographers and documents, pretty amazing events. Um, and then some of the more fun stuff, which I was kind of shifting to was some adventure commercial stuff, working with World of Greenland and Visit Greenland, that tourism board. Mm -hmm. And some of the more of the documentary or interview series style stuff, mini docs. Um, we did some work with Christie's and did a couple of interviews for their showcases. So yeah, it's a great way to just, I had a bunch of great people I was working with all the time. And I was like, okay, um, let's, you know, I'm going to put together this, this production boutique and, and kind of, it's it really kind of just focused in on that tech world. So it was fun. I, I love all that stuff. Um, it's exciting and you're, you're constantly just learning stuff. So. No, I think it's smart, man. And like the one thing I was going to ask you, is there like any advice you kind of have for like still photographers that are trying to make that jump into more like motion work? Um, because as you know, it seems like every job now, if it's stills, there's always like some motion component. It might just be a little like behind the scenes or it might just be putting together a little 15, 30 second spot. Um, but what seems memoryscape uh, 
you guys do the motion work. So is there any kind of advice you might have for like still photographers looking to make that leap into more motion work, I guess? Yeah, I mean, this day and age is so easy, especially with the cameras, you can easily just flip a switch. Um, and some of them have the auto focus, auto follow with stabilization. You don't even need a stabilizer or gimbal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd just say experiment. But yeah, you're right. Clients do want it with a shoot we just did. They wanted um, photo and video. Um, I'm, as of late, moving forward, um, working more with uh, DPs and shooters, and I'll bring somebody in to shoot the video aspect of it. I have a tendency to be able to see everything when I step back a bit more than the directoral kind yeah. of vision. Take the take the gear out of your hands and everything just, you know, when I pick up the camera, I'm just like, boom, I'm there, and then it just <laughs> opens up. So, I think knowing when when to when to reach out and bring in bring on a team member. I guess that doesn't really answer the question. So for for people that are doing that transition, I guess just yeah, give it give it a go. It it's it's intimidating because we, we create a photograph and then we look at motion and we're like man this is like thousands of images put together like and we, if you think of it like that it's really intimidating but if you're framing for me if i put something on a tripod and i'm doing subtle movements and you know a slow zoom or a pan i just think of it as these subtle pieces mm -hmm. um these this you know a slow um movement into that whereas if you watch it behind the scenes of a movie and someone's got a full body suit and they're running and doing crazy stuff with crazy rigs and lighting that can be super intimidating so i, I just think you know i mean the iphone alone's got what it shoots like 240 frames per second low yeah. light ultra wide mode it's bananas yeah what's the one dude uh steven soderberg he shoots all his movies on iphone only now and it's freaking incredible it's yeah there yeah there's so much you can do with just that i think for me like it's something i'm working on a lot more because i've been doing more of those projects it's just it is a new way of thinking it's uh there's a lot of skills that you use from still photography obviously composition and lighting but it is a new way of thinking but yeah it's just like i don't know it's just trial and error i think that's why i try to remind myself like like when i started photography like figuring out what like how to process film and how, what a shutter speed is so it's just kind of i don't know brick by brick that's what i at least yeah. that's what i tell myself <laughs> no for sure same yeah and i have a tendency to sometimes work backwards like i'll for a project or something i'll see like if it's like a fine art project I'll be like, how is this going to live what's the what's the format what's the framing what's the presentation and how am i going to create it and then figure out what's best the the one project I'm working on, I've been working on for five plus years is a newsstand series. And that's on the phone as well. Uh, this, this, the disposed zine shot on the phone. So it's interesting because I'm like, man, am I, a, am I an iPhone photographer? What's going on here? And it just so happens that that worked um, for the disposed and it really worked for the newsstand series. I went back with the 5D and I shot the newsstands and messed around with cropping. I went with the Hasselblad um and i tried different cameras and the iphone just worked it was very it was, it was less intrusive and people probably people to... probably react different to it like if you showed up yeah, with yeah. like lights in a house of blood people can be like it can kind of make them nervous but everyone everyone has one of these so it's very relatable i would imagine yeah exactly yeah, yeah so that you know i focusing on the vision and and, and the idea and then figuring out what gear works because in the beginning i used to focus on the gears like oh i need this like i need to get a phase one in order to create these epic portraits nah. it's not possible i need that and it's like, not oh, anymore need that yeah yeah but the phase one's still rad yeah you know hey someday but, you know phase one call me. <laughs> <laughs> two phase ones please right here yeah you're right here, here, here. uh but i guess to wrap up man like what's next man yeah. uh what's uh 
what's kind of got you inspired? Obviously been a crazy year, but uh, any kind of goals for the future, I guess? Well, one, I'm inspired by you, brother. I had reached out to you uh, <laughs> last year because I was like, what is happening? The photo bands are just as amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing like, you know, Dan Winters and, and Jason Lee and all these amazing photographers. I mean, the list is just vast. Behind the curtain, um, everyone's sharing all these wonderful stories and quote sheets and behind the scenes, uh, behind the scenes, excuse me, antics and remedies and such transparency. And it was, it's so, it's so amazing, man. You're, you got an amazing, you got a great lane and um, I was listening to Ab Cisse. Yeah, love Ab. Yeah, Ab Cisse. Man, that was a great interview. Very articulate, fantastic person. I didn't wasn't familiar with his work. I'm a fan. I followed him immediately, and he had mentioned too. He, he was blown away by by what you're doing. I think it's great. No one's doing it. Um, you do it. You do a great job. You you got an awesome voice. You got you got a appreciate it, face man. for TV and a voice for radio. <laughs> I don't right. know about Double that. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, win. man. But what's next for yeah. you, man? What, what's what's next for you with photography, I guess? Yeah. So I just want to just shout you out for that. I appreciate it's, it. It's exciting. Yeah. Well, what's you. next for me? We'll see, man. I, I have two more. I want to do this newsstand series book. I would like to get that published. Everything I've done up till now is self-published. So mm-hmm. I'm looking into how I want to present that with the newsstand series that's a hundred plus images of newsstands from all over the world 70 percent of it's from new york wow um, and otherwise yeah i have a couple couple jobs coming up there's definitely will be adventures on the horizon i haven't i haven't dialed yeah, anything in i'm yet. itching i'm itching man i'm ready to hit the road man uh but that's, yeah. that's awesome man well trevor dude i can't thank you enough for taking the time and for people listening, if they want to check out your work or um, I'm, you're still selling your uh, Dispose, the uh, promo on your website, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's just trevortrainer.com. Yeah. You can go pick it up. I highly recommend it. Great printing thank and you. all that. But Trevor, thank you so much. Yeah, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. So there you have it. That was the Trevor Trainer interview. I just want to thank Trevor so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure speaking to him about his journey with photography. Um, definitely go give uh, Trevor a follow. His Instagram is at Trevor Trainer, and definitely go check out his website where you can see more of his work at trevortrainer.com. I'll put all the links in the description, um, but definitely go check out his work. He's always got cool projects he's working on. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast with this episode, um, when you sign up at pickdrop.com, um, you'll get three months free of the PickDrop image transfer tool. Um, I can't recommend it enough. I've been using it myself for uh, over a year now and really enjoy it. I just know that I have all my files in one safe spot. I can access them on the go on my mobile phone or on my laptop. Just really great um, file transfer tool that was designed for photographers um, in mind. So definitely go check that out. You'll get three months free when you go to PickDrop.com and enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER one word. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page. So definitely go check that out if you want the video version. And as always, thanks so much for listening and take care.